Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, tonight we are at PPUK Podcast. We are going to attempt to do all of the vault material, speak about the vault material. Today with us, we've got Paddy, Leah, and Andy. One, two, three, go. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Hi, Paddy here. Oh, go on. Do you want to go first, Andy? No, go on, you do it. Um, Paddy here, guitarist from Prince Tribute in Dolphin Machine. Looking forward to getting into some sign of the times. What a bright spot this is. Uh, Andy here, ready to talk about pretty much my favourite period of Prince, so I'm quite looking forward to this one. I'm Leah, and to be honest, I'm just here to hear like Chopin's knowledge on this podcast. <laughs> I'm just ready to sit and enjoy Chopin's in-depth look. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Andy and Paddy, this is their era. These, they were, I know it's a weird thing to say about the vault tracks, but this is, they were probably listening to these on scratchy bootlegs before I was a fan. Well, that's probably a oh, good Oh, hell thing. yeah. It's a good place to start because I think, this is the problem of being a hardcore fan, is that you've mortgaged your future when it comes to these sorts of releases. Because, and so it's, it's, it's a funny thing, you know, because for the casual fan who's not going to buy the SDE, if they did buy the SDE, they'd be, I mean, some of them will, obviously. They're getting like 45 new tracks or whatever. For the hardcore fans, you're like, yeah, I've got most of that stuff. So there's an, ine- there's an inevitable difficulty immediately um, mm. with all of these releases, which isn't to sound mealy-mouthed, but I wish I could hear some of these things as if for the first time, and I can't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but, having, but having said that, listening to stuff mastered, even if you've heard it before, is pretty brilliant. <laughs> it, it is, it is, and uh, th- I will just play devil's advocate and say that sometimes you get used to the tone of a you know that a lot of these bootlegs exist in really great quality anyway and a lot of them don't but but like you can the ones that your ear gets used to when you when you have an ultra clean version of it sometimes you go oh that's kind of not the one with the grit that i knew like for me it happened on sexual suicide when it came out on crystal ball in the 90s Mm. and i was like that's not half the song that i knew because the one i knew had a different color to it oh Deviating already, but you're so, so right. Um, the live version of, uh, well, it is live, only live recording anyway, as far as I know, but All Day, All Night from the birthday show. I don't like the version on the soundboard anywhere near as much as the first ever version I got, which was about three copies removed and a lot more boomy. It's and, so weird. And, and, and it's like, but you know, if it had been the other way around and you'd had Prince's version first, that's the one you'd love because that's the one your ear would have, you know, got trained to. So it's, and then you start going, oh, I'm kind of more, what am I saying? I'm more uh, loyal to some bootlegger <laughs> who's just Great. done this without thinking than I am to the way Prince makes things. Not at all. It's just the songs are so strong, and you, but you tend to love them through the prism you heard them through first. Yeah. Well, it's, it's more like parental imprint when you're young. It's like it doesn't, you know, like you're going to fall in love with the person that raises you versus the person that gave birth to you, right? You know, like it's... it's it's about what you experience first and as a new thing. I mean, we're talking about mastering and everything else, but the other thing with bootlegs is tape speed is actually getting used to some of these songs are a lot slower than you thought or a lot faster than you thought because you used to like a third generation tape set and it was copied and copied and copied and the tape speed yeah. drifted. Well, this is an old, you know. 
I think most of the songs that I knew on here, the, the speed isn't a problem, but for, yeah, but that's right. Even back in the day, I might have said this before, my first ever tape of the Black Album was about 1.3 times as far. It was really fast. And then later that year, back in 88, I got a, I got a proper speed version and I had, I had to retrain myself, uh, uh, which wasn't hard because Prince always sounds right when he's at the right speed. Mm. He, he's a master of that solid mid-tempo take your time knock them out without rushing so but but yeah so th those are all the negatives of being a super fan uh, yeah. the positives of being a super fan is that you get to listen to the greatest music in the world because it's print so yeah. now, now here we are here we, here we are with it all on the menu so uh, with the caveats out the way let's see what we got to yeah. play with, huh? just to let everybody know we're doing the vault discs tonight yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> Oh, if we get through them. So the first one, which is weird enough for all the hardcores that have been listening for a while, is uh, was a surprise, I think, to all of us when it came out. And it's the 1977 version of I Could Never Take the Place of Your Man. Oh, love it. <laughs> Go on, I love Enjoy. it. Do you know what? When that came out, I was so excited that I literally just clicked on the link when it first came on Spotify and I didn't even look what it was called. I didn't check anything. I just panicked and pressed play. And then it got to, I'd say, less than 30 seconds into it when that track was first released. And I already had pinpointed the year. And I was like, I am so proud of myself. <laughs> I was like, I can pinpoint print by year. But I think it's phenomenal because it is so much of that moment. Um, and I think the fact that I was able to do that within 30 seconds is amazing when you compare it to what it ultimately ended up being. Um, and I sat there for a while trying to work out what it was. What is it that makes that 78? What is it that makes it that different? And it's just everything, but also nothing. <laughs> it's the whole sound for me was just amazing and to hear it being so different and being able to compare the two and decide what changes he decided to make made me really excited it felt like i was in his brain for a minute to see the changes that he made what about you guys how did you feel about it as i've said before i, I just love the the weird little disco tom intro yeah. it's like whoa and then it went into a version of, and could never take place of your man um, oh, just utterly classic track, utterly classic track. Like you say, very interesting to hear it from back then. It, it sounded a little bit 1979, but it sounded also very as if it was living in multiple time periods um, because it did it, it resonated forward in time as well. Fantastic, fantastic. I think it's really interesting. Um, one of the identifiers for me is like, even if I, because I read the titles, I knew the year, but it's the guitar tone and, and the way he played. It's like there's a certain, not to say it's bad or anything, but there's a certain sophistication he picked up along the way and subtlety with his rhythm playing that isn't there in that version. Which this I, kind of gallop song. Yeah, just stylistically. And I, and I think it's... I, th I think it's a great. I mean, it's a great version, yeah. and it's. It just knocks me out. It knocks me out that he could write a song as strong as that. And I said this last time or the other time. He could write a song as strong as that. Think that's not what I want to do at the moment. Shelve it for like eight years, and then bring it out and actually 
turn it into, I think, one of his best, fullest productions of all time. And like the, the song, like as a song, even in the 79 version, it's incredibly strong. But when, if we didn't know the 87 version, we'd just go, that's a brilliant song. That's like Gotta Stop Messing, uh, uh, Gotta Stop Messing About or something. It's that good, you know. But, but like to actually sit on it, then remember it and say, I'm going to turn this into an actual, you know, one of the most golden, burnished, beautiful stories that I've ever written is amazing. Mm. It is the constant, to me, the constant of these special editions and that aside, and I think most of us already knew, but it's still like, it's still mind-blowing that he sits on this stuff for years. Stuff that would be make another, you know, stuff that, like, if I'd wrote it, I'd just be like, that has to come out tomorrow. I mean, but then, you know, you have stuff on Graffiti Bridge, like the question of you enjoying repetition, and he did that same. How do you, how do you wait years on that one? How do you wait four years on... Uh, join repetition or the question of you i guess it's just that you've got so much stuff that well that's the story of this whole set right which you know i don't know if we're going to actually be able to go through every song uh bit by bit like this but the story of the set is that unlike the 1999 vault tracks which were kind of brilliant they're brilliant but they're they're a more coherent set to, to listen to, they're easier to listen to because the templates he was exploring were kind of narrower during that time. This whole set that we're looking at now, he's trying out like eight different projects at once and there's different flavors there. And so like, um, you, you know, so he, he was obviously always cooking up what next and what next. And we know that he was always thinking two albums ahead. And he was already recording, you know, the Black Album and Love Sexy and stuff pretty much when some of these songs were going on. And this, this a, is only telling one story. It's amazing. It, it, there was so much going on. In terms of creativity, it was like this Brownian motion thing. Every, every distant, every different direction all the time. Then you can look at it from like a little bit of a Venn diagram type of thing. Because you've got, okay, you've got the Revolution-esque stuff that had that input and that stuff crossed over with, okay... I've spoken to Wendy and Lisa and had, had dinner now and we've got this out the way. I'm going to go and re-record a couple all cold electronic automated, you know, automatic drums and blah, 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 blah. It's, there is so much going on, so much journey, so much emotional movement for him uh, with regard to his band and the sort of creative input and filter that they added. Um, and you, yeah, you really can hear it. This is why I think this is for me and, I, I might be speaking for you as well, Andy, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. This, this era, that's why it's so special, because it's one of the strongest eras slipping into one of the strongest eras. Astonishing. I, yeah, I, do, I think it's, I, at the same time, my sense of like the Prince community's reaction to this set is a little bit muted. I think it's whacked everybody over the head because there's so much to digest. Mm. And like, I do think that like where the, it worked really well in the 1999 edition to just chronologically sequence them, it was fine. Because like I say, they, they're, it's a more, it's a narrower sort of pa- palette he's playing with at that time. For these ones, I do wish they'd actually sequenced them for flow and for theme. Because, uh, you know, it looks like chronologically speaking, Prince was trying out he was at the height of trying out eight projects on the boil at the time. Um, but I, 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 I kind of, it, it's a, it was a hard set for me to break down and make my peace with. 
uh, there's, just, there's just too much there on first and second and third listens. So, I, I've got to say, I kind of disagree, not because you, what, what you present wouldn't be a great box set as well. I don't think there's any way of not presenting a great box set out of this material. But for me, it helped me come to a bit of a realisation uh, about the period and uh-huh. in this chronological, yeah, and watching the development and watching him come to a crossroads. And I think it, it kind of enlightened me in a way. Yeah. I'm, I'm much more, you know, like, how to put it? I understand way more why the revolution had to go, not from a quality or a affection or a great point of view. I, I just understand from a personal development way why they had to go and that's um from his point of view not from a fan point of view obviously well I, a bunch of amazing players and i've never kind of seen down but i understand why it had to be the way it was well you know what i kind of agree with that too that this this box set to me is amazing it's it confounds me it can it's hard to like it's hard even as a hardcore prince fan to take in just how much is here so I agree that having them chronologically tells the story that they wanted to to tell for this release, and it has helped me too. But it, um, it's strange as a, as a revolution loyalist, the sign of the times box set, perhaps as well in, in hand in hand with the excellent official podcasts that a a podcast series which was just stupendously good. So good so, as a revolution loyalist. This is even, with the exception of possibly wishing, still wishing I'd have got Dream Factory before they split up, but this has more markedly underlined that, yes, he really did, irrespective of what I feel emotionally, he really did have his head screwed on and he knew exactly what he was doing to grow. Exactly. And I think we, since September the 25th and with the podcasts, that's become so much more apparent it has for me anyway and i think we all know his history fairly well um but yeah very much so well yeah i i I mean i'm sounding sounding like i'm starting off with a lot of gripes i'm not really i'm i'm just sort of constantly in awe of how many stories you can make out of prince you can that's why we're all with him after all this time because he's always the most fascinating of any artist that i know to go back to and just looking at this Session, like, like for me, I, there's a few tracks on there that I kind of think in my head belong more to Parade. And there's, uh, you know, but, but, and putting them on here, but putting them on here tells a different story about the transition from the revolution to, you know, becoming his own, his own solo artist again. So I can see both cases. But for instance, I'm going to jump ahead to All My Dreams. Okay. And to me, it doesn't, I wanted, I wanted that with Parade. It makes much more sense for me with Parade. It doesn't, like, it's almost a false start on this set for me. It gets lost in the other colours that are about to come through. Uh, <laughs> sort of. I, I can, it's, it's a, no, it's, it's, a, it's a very viable position, is that. Um, it's all, well... It's all the same period. It's just they've concentrated on the sign of the times landing point. So that, that end of 85, 86, 87 period 
is all colour is is all covered here. I mean, yeah. I can think of quite a few things that you could pick out that would also be on parade that aren't here, but but yeah, and I, I know what you mean. But I think a lot of those were kind of necessary to uh, complete the the other middle middle album stuff. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. He carried the song a lot further than like Parade. It wasn't like a song that he stopped listening to once Parade came out. This is something that he was still putting on compilations and still planned to release. You know, you know, a good long period after he, you know, was filming the film. So, like Under the Cherry Moon. So this is obviously. I mean, even though creatively it's of a period, and therefore, uh, but so is I can never take the place of your man. But it's. It, it tells the story and I'm just happy that I don't have to wait another couple of years for this masterpiece essential outtake to be uh, released. So selfishly, I kind of don't care whether it fitted the story uh, anyway, because I wanted I mean, it out. This is one of the best, this is one of his greatest outtakes. You know, this it is. Of- but for me, it throws up a lot of questions about like just how you frame things. Mm-hmm. How a song, how a song can get for me lost in one context and shine in another. Now you know, all my dreams is one of my my favourite ever Prince tracks. But I, I kind, I kind of just want it to segue from the original old Friends for Sale into all my dreams. That's how I knew it, and that's how Prince definitely sequenced that. So th- these are my gripes. They're they're little things, and we can all go and make our compilations off of this. So it's kind of nonsensical anyway. But it's sort of like presented as a narrative of what Prince was and who he was. It's not wrong. It's just, it's just interesting how many narratives you can make out of it. And they, they've chosen a slightly different narrative from the one I would have chosen. There. And I think that's going to be different for everyone, isn't it? It's going to be what you want out of the experience. So I think very much so with this collection, you're taken on Prince's journey. Whereas if it was done by mood or style or genre, that might, be more I think it may have been more palatable to the mass market maybe that you could just pop on disc one and you know you're going to get this kind of vibe and put on disc two and you can get another kind of vibe and I think that would have maybe been more palatable to the less hardcore fans maybe and even me I think I'd really enjoy putting on a disc that's sort of more the revolution sound because if I'm in the mood to listen to that sound it's nice to just put on that disc and let it carry on or put on the LP and not have to think about it. So I think it depends what journey you kind of are going to be taken on with it, and that's going to be really different for everyone. But it, yeah, it is. Um, and there's no one answer, but Prince didn't have one answer at any given time either. He was juggling all this stuff as well. Um, yeah. And so that, you know, it's, it's, all, it's all valid. It's all good. So to just use a very blunt tool and say we'll do it chronologically is a fine solution but Mm. i I find myself finding it 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 made it more difficult in some ways to appreciate some of the gigantic things that are in this set i had to break it down and listen to it in different orders i don't i don't think there's any way to present this in a uh, in a really easy palatable way it's 13 13 vinyls do you know what i mean it's eight cds i don't think there's a palette you know like a kind of like a smooth easy palette between the thing between them all i think there's it's it's just going to be a, a heavy full meal <laughs> either way <laughs> yeah it's an uh, all-you-can-eat buffet and we it, back literally, this is this is gorging on vault tracks yeah, and also, 
And also, I mean, you've got things that are similarly, uh, like, sonically not so different, things like Wonderful Day, which to me is has got that same kind of vibe as uh, All My Dreams. You know, it, it sounds, it's got the same kind of sonic palette, even though it's not, um, even it's, it's not a similar song or whatever, but it kind of like fits alongside it's, that. It's got the Wendy and Lisa hippy dippy trippy stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I know I love all this stuff. You know that this isn't me saying eh, they all just sound rubbish. It's not. It's not that at all. It's not. No. It, it's actually a kind of like throwing up of my hands and going, my God, the man made so many stuff. It is infinitely, infinitely kind of ponderable. You can think yeah. about it and think about what you admire in it and think about how it fits together. And he, you know, he was a, he was a jigsaw puzzle, right? At this time, more than any other time in some ways. Mm. Um, I, I, I think to be quite honest, he always was. I mean, yeah. you always, I mean, you always get like, you find out a lot of the stuff, uh, you know, there was band stuff and then he'd go home and record something and it would just be that he would kind of produce it to the point that they sounded like they go on the same record sometimes. But there were, there, but there was always, I think, a kind of battle between I, uh, between I got my band, I'm hanging out, and I don't need you guys. I think there was always that battle within him. And this Definitely. is, but this is where it came to a very specific head because I think, like I say from the podcast, they were getting to an emotional point that was a bit deeper than just hanging around with the guys and it was getting harder you know like when you're really close friends it's getting harder to kind of or if you're in a relationship and the, you know wendy becomes the in-law it gets harder to kind of make that i need to be alone now so i think that's probably it makes perfect sense that why it came to a head with this one where it, in other projects he was able to manage it <laughs> it's, uh, would you agree that it's like it's it's a, a, like it's way more complex than the 1999 set? Of all oh, set. gotcha! Significantly, one hundred percent. It is. It's like I, I feel like it's defying any of us to talk about, it. And, and, and that's not only it's, criticism. It, no, I, I really feel that. No, I see exactly what you're saying. It's the Venn diagram thing for me. You, you have a certain mindset of looking at, you know, things belong with things, as I yeah. do, as Shokes does, as Leah does. But yeah. in the end, they're all circles with a big grey area in the middle where they all cross over because this it is, would sit just as well in Parade because yeah. it does sound like a Wendy and Lisa song, a little bit like Parade. This is juggling hearts in a three-ring circus for sure. Exactly. <laughs> Let's let's throw let me throw another one out there for you then as uh, we've done half an hour and done two or three songs so far. Okay. I, I knew this would happen. Listening listening to this set and all of them being properly recorded and mastered makes me wonder even more all these years later how in a large room with no light never got onto an official release. What the hell is going on there? I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to be very controversial. Bye-bye, oh, no, you oh, no, Shai. That's all we've got time for from Shai. <laughs> <laughs> 2009 was a better version. Oh, no, it wasn't. No, 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 no. It's, a, it's a lot more nimble. It's a lot more nimble. And the mix on this one, the mix, I understand why this didn't make an album finally. It's, to me, the mix is a bit muddy. 
Oh, it's it a bit. Li- oh, it has no, life this though. There is it's something. It does, but it's not it's vibrant. It's amazing. There this is, is an amazing in a song. sense that there is a slight thinness to it, even remastered and finished. But it's it's a thinness that allows it to be flighty. It's like the woman with the big can can dress throwing it around. It, it, there's something about that track, and I know it's. Uh, I, I know what you're saying. This, is, this, is, this song is a perfect example of why I think Prince's truly jazzy era was 86, 87. Um, you, it, this, has got, this, is, this just touches on a, deep, a, a different class of music than, he, than when he would later go on to make jazz fusion-y stuff. And with that kind of, hey, I'm making jazz fusion. And I know, I know you love the Rainbow Children and News, Chopin, and I'm not dissing it. But to me, it's it's kind of like very. I'm doing jazz stuff now. Whereas, no, I, 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 I would agree with that. I would agree with that. It's more it's more purposeful rather than accident in upon it. That's true. Yeah, and like, but so like, you know, there are a lot. You know, a lot of these songs are my favourite unreleased songs of all time. Well, now they're released, but um, Large Room with No Light has got it. It seems to touch on some other kind of jazziness that. It, it seems to go. It belong to to a continuum of something that, like, you can't even quite place where it's from because it's what Prince I think and that is, It's not that class. What I think that is is because this early in his career, he was starting to dabble more with different um, styles of music. Later in his career, he's done a lot more of it, and he's been around musicians who are awesome at it. And I think even with Prince, you're going to pick up certain things, certain techniques, that certain standards. At this point, it was more about him and what was directly coming from inside than what he'd learned by osmosis in other areas as he went through his career. My take, uh, and yeah. that's why it's special to me. My take on this, on the difference between Prince in the 80s and beyond in that respect is that in the 80s, he was taking, he was absorbing music like by osmosis, by learning, by... Uh, experiencing, and he was putting that music through the filter of this strange imagination, and then, and what was coming out was this kind of, you know, uh, loads, 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 sorry, loads of musical information th- put through this filter, and then I think when he's when he later did things, he was putting prints through the filter of other, other genres. So I think he was putting genres through his filter in the 80s. And then I think he was putting his own idea of what Prince music was through other filters after I'd that. I'd buy that. I'd buy that. Yeah. Uh, but I, I would say, I, and I agree with you, and I, I would say uh, there are some great examples of, like, what you're saying is true, that there's... Um, there's a freer air to it and it's more experimental and it's more kind of fun and truer and more like somebody happened happening on something, you know, like happy accident about it. I just think this is one example. This is the one example and probably is the one example I can think of off the top of my head where it was better that he went away and thought about it. It's still a great song. Don't get me wrong. It's a great song. It, 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 what gets me with this version is the percussion is just a bit too cluttered and steps on the melody line, and he learned how to tame that down. And this could, and probably could have been tamed down in the mix as well. But for me, there's a couple of times on this, on this, there's a couple of outtakes that are great outtakes, but they just become unintelligible through 
production. Uh, the vocals become unintelligible through production, and this is one of them. However, I must note that end where the do 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 is just stunning on both versions. It because it becomes clear and grooved, and the rest of it is. And with this version, it's just too cluttery for me. It steps on good ideas. I, see, I think, I think it, to me, I, I love it for that. I love the fantasia of it. It, sound, it, it, sounds, it sounds like this kind of absolute falling off the cliff into this new world of ideas. I, so, yeah, it's, it's taste after a while, as Eric yeah. Lee always says. I have to say, I think I agree with you, Chopin. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, hey, I thought like, we were going to do the eighties versus the rest <laughs> of Prince fight on another podcast, but I think this is even the nineties. That's two thousand and nine. I know, I know. Um, <laughs> well, what, what else do we like and can fight over in this set? Then there's a lot, isn't there? I don't think oh, we're going to find much fight to fight about. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. I mean, that's the. I mean, even that's not a negative that there's a better version later on. This is, let's make it clear, this is still a fantastic track. And well, that end groove is just killer. Here's another one for you then in a similar, sort of similar vibe. And, and I don't know how this is going to fit. Gonna I, fit know what gonna I think, I think I you're, I know what you're going to say. I prefer the original version of Strange oh. Relationship oh. with all the weird stuff on the beginning and the, the, the overt, the more overt Wendy and Lisa stance. I, I preferred it when I heard it on a bootleg years and years and years and years ago. And whilst I love the one that was on the album as well, I still prefer it now, having heard it even cleaner and remastered. It's such, such, such a great song in both versions. Mm. I have massive respect for the Wendy and Lisa one. I think, yeah. I, just, I, I, I just like how he made it tougher. Mm. less uh, he made it tougher and uncompromising and actually i would say you know it was it's kind of blacker really is the word for the album version It, it, it just touches on something that's a lot tougher and i think it fit between if i was your girlfriend and never take the place of your man it's the perfect tone for me on the album that really just straight ahead kind of Hmm. It's not, a, you know, it's much less friendly, the one on Sign of the Times, in a good way. I love both. I think with some versions, like some alternative versions that you hear, for me, sometimes I'm like, this is my one, and I'm okay if I don't hear that other version again. But with those two versions, I couldn't pick between them. I love them so much mm-hmm. on their own that I couldn't, I couldn't get rid of one of them or say, oh, I won't listen to that one. For me, one day I'll just be in the mood for one and one day I'll just be in the mood for another. Yeah, I, I'm just glad, I, I'm just glad I live in a world where there are those two versions. <laughs> it's, <laughs> like, yeah. it's an extraordinary song. It ju- it ju- I think if you imagine the Wendy and Lisa version on the album, Leah, does that, does that, seem, in, does that seem as interchangeable as your love for both versions? Mm, good question. It wouldn't fit in. I agree that the right one went on the album 110%. It fits perfectly and it's exactly what's needed for that point of the album. But for me, I think I just view them as two separate entities. Now they're both in existence. Like I just, 
I, I'm happy to cherry pick between the two. And like Chopin said, I'm just happy that they both exist. <laughs> and I'm in that world where they both exist. Um, but it was definitely the right decision, I think, with what ended up on the album. They are both sublime, aren't they? I mean, I, in some ways, I feel like they're not that different from each other. And in other ways, it feels like there's just, the mood is just very much, it, 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 it's hard to put your finger on. It's What is it? It's just it's just area, the other, the Wendy and Lisa version, maybe? It's, le- it's less not punchy. Punchy. Yeah. Yeah, the kick, the kick, the kick. Rel- the groove is relying on that kind of wad bass as opposed to the kick, whereas the album version is that pum 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 pum. The album where, version is relentless, right? Yeah. Whereas this, whereas the um, the, the Wendy and Lisa version is that is is relying on a wow 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 wow, and it's just kind of. It's, it's, I mean, they're both, a good song is a good song. I even like the Shep Pettibone mix because I have a thing for, I actually think, it's good. I know it's dated now, but if that came out at the time, that would have been a classic 12 inch. I can say that. Yeah. People would have been, people would have been, uh, they would, you know, the, it's no more dated than Hot Thing remixes or you got the local Housequake remixes. I got so. right. I got right to the end, and I'm not going to say I hadn't heard it before because I probably had, but I suspect it's something I probably. I, when you have outtakes and you have varying qualities, you tend to stick to what you get slightly better qualities to for re-listens and re-listens and re-listens. But I, I got to the end and thought, hmm, I'm curious to know what I'm going to think of this, and I absolutely loved it. And I think you're right. I think that would have been a banging 12 inch, absolutely. I am. Um, I re. I, I I feel like. When it came on and it was like strong, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be an absolute feast. And then I think he actually pulls back from that mix and he doesn't quite go far enough on it to make me really happy, but I like it. I do like it. I, I, I wish he'd played around with that voice and made it really spooky throughout. <laughs> Just like really gone to town on it and made it a sample fest, you know? I mean, I'm, I, I'm a big fan of Shep Bone, as I think I've said before. Uh, on previous episodes, like I love Madonna and I love Janet Jackson and all the Rhythm Nation remixes and Express Yourself remixes and Vogue remixes. This it's and Keep It Together remixes. They're all Shep Pettibone, and it's just the sound that I. That's the sound of my dancing around in my bedroom. Shep Pettibone's kind of way of remixing. So to me, it was it was like kind of. Oh my god! Like putting this this song that I loved through that filter, and yeah. like how how does that sit on the shelf? I, is I, I, the, I really yeah. liked it. It would have made a great twelve inch B side, absolutely. Mm. I, I do think I I, th- I feel like he kind of comes in heavy at the start, then backs off for the main, main body of the song, and then picks up the tail. And I wish he, yeah. I wish he hadn't backed off. I wish he'd been a bit bolder throughout because. He's, it's quite a subtle change for most of the song. He just pumps the drive up a little. But he, I, I like it when he starts playing it with it more at the end. I guess because I know that that's his style. I mean, that you get you get like this intro kind of cutting and yeah. beats and then you get the song. True. So it's like, you know, it's still, you can play. You can, also, it's because a lot of the time his remixes were edited to make the seven inch mix. Um. So he, that's something he used to do. And he definitely it, does I, that on Glam Slam, doesn't he? 
He um, yeah. Like basically, he he sort of keeps his hand off it until the end, and then he goes to town. Yeah, I forgot he did Glam Slam as well. I love the Glam Slam remix. I think yeah. it's great. And also, he gives you those strings twice instead of once, which I'm a time. Whoops! Whoops! We've gone into love. <laughs> We're really drifting. Okay. Can I throw in the next song? Yeah, yeah. Great. yeah. yeah Prince Bingo. <laughs> Dorothy Parker with horns. Oh, you stole my... Oh. <laughs> what do we think? Bingo. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely blown away by this, weirdly. Really? Yes. Absolutely blown away. I could not get those home, home parts out of my head for ages. Um, and Rod was driving me mad going, going around whistling those, those home parts when we sat down and talked about it. I, it's, it's really weird as well because... The, the the parts in isolation make me think of like a sort of a, a gumshoe seventies cop series. Oh, yeah, I was of, thinking murder mystery. Kinda, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's sort of superimposed on top of this absolute peculiar curio classic that we've all loved yeah, and taken yeah. to heart for years, and it works, and it works so well. And now I kind of don't know what to do because. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to the majority of people who are likely to listen to anybody play it. But oh my goodness, it is good. Go for right. it, guys. <laughs> okay. I prefer this version. Originally, 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 I wanted to go into the master master uh, recording and go right. It's too high there. And too high there. I reckon if you if you there was a there's a couple of notes that step on uh, vocal lines, uh, but a, a couple of times. But if you kind of like brought the volume down and brought it back up, like if he's like it's quite clear that he never seriously considered these ones because there's a couple of things he probably would have done that would have. But if he had, I this to me is like the the '93 version of Old Friends for Sale. They're both great tracks. They're just different vibes. I, I think it's probably for the best that Dorothy Parker... I don't think Dorothy Parker would have been a classic if this was the version that came out in the same way. I don't think it would have had the same emotional pull. I, but I fucking love it. And those oh. horns are... Da, 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 let me be clear. Let me be clear. The right one is on the album. I'm not... Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, um, but, but I find it interesting. So, like, you prefer the horns, but the right one is on the album, correct, Chopin? Yes. In the same way that Get Off is the best song for the Diamonds and Pearls album, but Violet the Organ Grinder is a better song. Interesting. Okay, so... Um, so, I'll, I'll halfway... Is that agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll absolutely agree with you that the right one is on the album, but I won't say that I prefer the horns one, because I don't, but it's fascinating. Prince 100% made the right call. It... it the horns step on the narrative. It's a narrative song, and the horns are like, you know, it's a dream song, and the horns try and take you. And you know, it was it was only because he asked Eric to have a go. Even Eric said that, "Why do you need horns on this one?" You know, but um, he, he put he put some beautiful stuff on there, but it just gets in the way of something unique and boutique and strange. I will say something really that occurred to me, though, is that I, I like it. I like it, but as a curio, so glad it's not on the album. I am um, 
what, what's interesting to me is the way the beat works, especially with those really tasty lines at the start. It sounds a lot like four years ahead of its time, jazz meets hip hop, Tribe Called Quest. It sounds like the low end theory or something. Mm-hmm. So it's like the way that, that beat works with those very jazzy horns sounds like it preempts like um, Gangstar, Tribe Called Quest, all sorts of things. Mm. So that's a very rare groove, but it wasn't yeah. what, pre- what that song needs, I think. It's an, inter- it's an interesting side effect. It's weird. Actually, this is such an interesting one you brought this up, Leo, because this is, it is. So I knew talking about this would be such a s- split. Uh, I didn't know, I didn't know I'd have so many people on my side that it was a great version. Uh, but this is one of the, Dorothy Parker was never anything I, I wanted to get my hands on the 24 track for, like, and have a go at mixing. It was never really kind of because it was just like a perfect mix. This, and and in that way, Andy, you're right. It's the perfect version for the album. It is a statement in itself. This, because it's an overdub that was never kind of given the due yeah. thought and process. I really want to get in there with the reverbs and flanges and stuff like that and make this as dreamy as the song is. Because I think you could make this as dreamy as the song is. Here's what I would do if I had the 24 track, yeah? Mute all, the horn. All, yeah, all the, yeah, you got it. All the, tra- all the sliders with the horns on I'd set to zero, but I do like it. <laughs> I go, oh, it's, whoops, it's the original song again. Uh, it, it's, Knew it. I mean, <laughs> uh, I, I, I think I, I think this stuff is fascinating. Like, here's another thing about Prince, right? When they release special editions of other artists' stuff, usually they don't have that much to work with. What you get is four different takes of, um, you know, uh, uh, you, you normally get four different takes of "You Can Call Me Owl" or whatever the song is, or whatever the artist is, right? And that's great. And it's with Prince, we know we know for a fact that they could put another issue out of you know, different takes of the album. They've barely done that here because there's so much else that has to be addressed first, like the 5,000 other songs he made at the time. Mm. So like, you know, you, you could make, you could probably make a whole uh, double album set just out of alternate takes. And Are you uh, suggesting a, a special edition of the special edition? Uh, well, I'm suggesting a special edition of Sign of the Times at some point that's about, you know, that's more. Con- I, 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 it's not something that I desperately want or need, but I'm just observing that, like, with Prince, again, it comes back to this, it's an embarrassment of riches. Like, yeah. on, like honestly, other artists' super deluxe ed- editions are five versions of the same album. Hey, it makes it clearer why he wrote "Slave" on his face to me. Like when you when you're sitting on all of this, I, oh, I yeah. whether you agree with the the point about the business side or whatever, you can understand how somebody with this much stuff is frustrated. Yeah, yeah, and and like, but also, you know, I, this is not a criticism of anyone. It's just an observation that Prince was mm. a musical kitchen. In the uh, same- in the same way it was inevitable that the revolution had to go, despite them being a good thing for him, it was inevitable that the way uh, he worked with record companies had to go, even though they had worked for him. It was just, it's just one of those crossroads in his career that, uh, and this is, this points to a specific one, but quite pointedly leads to the second one, not only because of the amount of stuff, but also because of the, 
editing crystal ball into sign of the times that this this crossroads led to another one and this box set does a fantastic point uh, um, job of pointing that out i agree i i was sounding quite down on it i i'm not i'm just it, this one this is this is one era that where you cannot force it into one narrative other narratives no. keep suggesting it, themselves it's it's with, with all the other stories that this box t- set tells yeah the the what one of the clearest and loudest is warner brothers did him a massive favor by saying no 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 that three disc set needs to be something else off your pop and then we got sign of the times. Agree so strongly. You, you can't. The, uh, the you know there is uh, a subjective amount of uh, in that comment, but for me, no, it I think really, it really does underline think, how how. I think all you need to do is go back and listen to the album itself. It's such a beautiful, yeah. beautiful solution to how to sequence a patchwork of this. Yeah. When, when you've got a uh-huh. hundred patches to choose from, which sixteen do you choose? And he, it's a beautiful sequence. I mean, uh, I mean, takes. Um, interestingly, the last time we were talking about the Side Times box set, something came up uh, for me was I was just like when I saw the eggplant was on on there. Uh, I was I was like, how are they going to get around the the line where Wendy calls her retarded? Which is, you know, like nowadays, if they're doing the removing the rape reference from Love and Sex, sorry, from Lust You Always and Extra Love Ball, and that's why they won't release those. And it's interesting that they picked a version with Prince's vocals that didn't use that line. And when I heard that, I was just like, wow. So you know, like even a song that you think you know. And even a song that you've been listening to and that you know and you think that there's a problem with or that's the lyrics. Well, no. I, I love <laughs> I was, I, I was, re- my first listen to Eggpond, I, you know, I was very surprised that it wasn't Wendy singing when I heard yeah. it on this set. And I really love Wendy's vocal on the original, on that version of Eggpond. And I almost think, I, I was like, oh, I, you know, I, I prefer the Wendy version. Over time, I've come to appreciate this new Prince vocal. Well, new to me. <clears throat> I think it, it's, it's such a... This is one of... Eggplant's a great song because it's a comedy song. Yeah. And so if Wendy's singing about being retarded in the original, to me, she's playing a character who is talking trash. Oh, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't saying that she wasn't and that I wasn't saying that it was... But I'm just saying in the, in the point of view of... You know, because they political were, correctness. Yeah, exactly. Because they were because they were removing well, you know, those songs before. I, I don't um, know. I, I think you're. You know, you you can't assume that 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 that's like in Jealous Girl. He sort of says, "I'm going to burn your face off" or something. Which yeah, is it's, really not, it's not really political. You know, I, I, I wasn't about. Yeah, which is kind of interesting that they wouldn't use the other references. So, so I mean, I think. You know, I, I don't know. I'm not going. I don't know that they. I, my my suspicion is that they included the Prince eggplant here because people want more Prince, and because the Wendy version of eggplant was circulating. But also, there's been a lot of when there's a lot of Wendy vocals and Lisa vocals on this compilation. Yeah, not that uh, that's a bad thing. It's because it is the time and it makes sense. But, but, it, but, like, the, but the, the song itself is fantastic because it's hmm. so peculiar. It's just peculiar. 
the, like the type no one else writes a song called eggplant that's just first right okay secondly like n- no one calls other people eggplants it's a it's not even a song about eggplants it's a song about calling a woman and you're like what it's just so oddly prince and then but the, <laughs> most, the most important thing about the song is just that the melody is so unusual and peculiar it's great it's, it's like a nursery rhyme from another planet. I love it. Which is, yeah, which kind of leads me to, uh, I know this, uh, what might be a controversial view is, I think he was learning so much from Wendy and Lisa. And they were, they had these kind of playful Baroque kind of, you know, melody lines that were kind of not the ones that he, you know, he would write in a very different melody uh-huh. line. And I actually think that he was learning so much, like things like Everybody Want What They Don't Got, which is basically Penny Lane by the Beatles, you know, in an, in another form. And, and I, I, one of my things is, I think he was hearing himself and the whole revolution thing becoming far too retro referential. And because if you have a look at something like uh, 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 Witness for the Prosecution, the revolution version, which is the better version, but when he goes and redoes it by himself, you can tell the difference in the sound that he was kind of like, okay, I, I'm kind of looking back a bit too much now I've, because, I'm, because of the learning process and because of the learning new things that I'm... This is this is the start of Prince stripping his, like streamlining his melodies and making them more angular and linear, yeah. I think, and take, taking away from those big curvy, like you said, baroque melodies. And mm. saying, I, I've done all that. I want to like this is this is the point where Sign of the Times is the fulcrum before he starts veering off into more like to, Love Sexy is much more uh, streamlined. Um, much, much more straight-ahead groove and kind of linear, linear melodies. It's definitely after after the after the famous tea together and goodbye. The paradigm shift was there. Um, I, th- I think I'm right in saying one of the very first songs he went and recorded was Shockadelica. And if you listen, you know, if you listen to that, it's like, oh my god, something. It, if you were if you hadn't have heard anything at all that came after Shockadelica, and you'd heard everything he'd recorded prior to it. I think it would have been a, mar- a more stark contrast of whoa, something here has changed big right. stuff. Yeah, it feels like he, it feels like he want, he's determined to put his head down and bulldoze through songs with a different template now. Mm. And um, I think Sign of the Times was another one that was very soon after they split, wasn't it? Sign of the Times crossed. Uh, you know, they talk about basically you're talking about um, if you know this term horizontal versus vertical melodies. Mm. So, like in the Beatles. Paul McCartney wrote very vertical melodies. They go up and down the scales. And John Lennon was much more about droney horizontal melodies, like Strawberry Fields sits on a couple of notes, right? So it doesn't... So it, literally, if you looked at it written out as music, you wouldn't see the notes going up and down so much. You'd see a more horizontal sitting on a, like, dun, 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 um, no one I know is in my tree. That's like two notes, Yeah. yeah. And I think Prince starts to embrace that more horizontal attitude. It doesn't, it, because he's Prince, he still goes into like orbit at times on his vocals for sure. But I think he starts to muscle down and, to, and strip down songs like Witness, like you say, Shopes, 
and yeah. turn it turn it into something that's more like driving a train of hard funk. <laughs> also, the snares and the hi hats and and the like reverbs in the drums become a lot tighter. Yeah, you, know, the, 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 you get a lot more space back in the mix. Like you kind it's of going for something less splashy and less flouncy, right? Yeah. And and although I would like to talk about a song which I think might be getting overlooked by the Prince folks, or maybe not uh, by the fans, I might be wrong, but I really love it. It's just terrific, and it is love and sex on this set. It's an amazing song. It sounds like if Prince and Freddie Mercury had had a baby. It's a really is, and it's and to me that's that actually sounds like a throwback to the kind of big, melodramatic, blousy things he was doing around uh, end of 1999 and then Purple Rain era, where he was making... It, so, it sounds more akin to something like Another Lonely Christmas than that than this new straight-ahead funk thing. It's great. It's, it, and, like, I'm, I'm not getting a lot of nods from the gang here, but I think it's a terrific song. Uh, Leah, <laughs> what did you think? Um, it's not, for me personally, it's not one of my standout tracks when, uh, as you mentioned, it's not really getting a lot of shout in the community. For me, there's a lot of other tracks that jump out at me when I look at that. It is a little bit, for me, of a skip track. That's all right. Bye. I like it. I like it. I think, I think what Andy's getting at, I, I do agree with. It's a bit... Uh, one of the slightly overblown, ostentatious type things um but similarly i would probably gravitate towards other tracks if i'm honest but oh, good cool. addition well I, I i gotta say that like there's a lot of songs here and so, songs that i missed at first then turn out to have a lot more to them than i think yeah. and some songs some that of them grow on you yeah and i would i i would like to put a shout out to anybody who's listening to if you've Go and give Love and Sex another three chances. It's beautiful. It's a really chunky, dynamic, beautiful composition. I think it's great. Can I add something to Love and Sex that for you, when next time you listen to it, Andy? Yeah. Um, and this is not a negative or anything like that. To me, it sounds like it belongs on emancipation, like a saviour or friend, lover, sister, mother, why to me are um it sounds like an emancipation ballad this is where i'd be cheeky and say if you put it on emancipation it'd immediately become the lead single (laughs) 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 Ooh, 80s guy sorry when's that 80s 90s 90s come in when's that podcast happening but it's just um i understand what you're saying it sounds like savior or something but to me it's always you know the stuff from this era the, the sound and the feel of it is, it's just where my ears are at, Chopin. It's like, this is, this is the more inventive era to me, and it sounds... It, I wasn't saying anything about that. I'm just saying no. that sonically that that song, to me, if you put that on disc two of Emancipation, it wouldn't stick out. Like, it, if you put any, like, anything else from this disc, like uh, um, Rebirth of the Flesh or anything on Emancipation, it would just be like, well, what's that doing there? But this one, it would just be like, oh... To, uh, it, it, it would stick out to me if you did, if you didn't change a note of it and stuck it there. It's just, sonically, it does sound different to me. It's uh, it's you know just just the 
arrangement of it is just I I you know I pretend I'm in Prince's head listening to this one I just think he wanted to go back and do what he used to do for 10 minutes I really I mean that's just my take on it and but but it was it was there's a lot of tracks on this set that I just instantly thought okay that's what that is and then as it went on they've opened up to me and like love and sex has been a real sleeper hit for me um and there are others too but that that one's it it, it just i like the song i don't feel like any of you are qualified enough you will skip it by your own admission <laughs> i <didn't> skip it <laughs> i just put it on a different album <laughs> I, I know. I know. No, it's, it's no mark on the quality. I mean, it's like I know when you're up against some of the powerhouses on either side of you on this one. You know, maybe in maybe in ten lessons' time, I'll be with you, and you, it, it, I'll be saying, Andy, you're completely right. But uh, well, you know, I mean, I didn't write the thing. Yeah, <laughs> I wish I had, but um, it, 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 it's it, it it just it just makes me happier and happier the more I get into it. Who else wants to? Who else wants to pitch a song so I can shoot it down in flames then? Uh, I've got one that hasn't been getting a lot of love, but I absolutely adore. And that's Train. Okay. See, oh, now yeah. I'm not getting that many nods. No, no, no. I, oh, hey, always love Train. Train was one yeah. of the heavy circulators over the year in years yeah. in decent quality. Um, yeah. Fantastic track, to be honest. Um, Bit too, bit too light for sound of the times, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, sits very well on um, early configurations, Crystal Ball and what have you. Um, not Crystal Ball, sorry, Dream Factory. Um, I really love it. I really love it. I love the squelch in the same way as I love the bit of squelch that's in um, uh, Strange Relationship. I, it, it's a banging little odd pop tune. Love it. It's nice. Sometimes sometimes it's just nice to have something quite upbeat and happy. Like it's one of those songs that I put on and I just yeah. feel good. Like it doesn't have to have some intense purpose. It just makes me feel good every time I hear it. I, I like it fine. I, um, it, it, I like it very fine. It doesn't do the extra special stuff for me, is all. Right. And that, you know, but I mean, you know, these, we're, 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 we're Picking and choosing between many, many treasures here. It's a very, very nice chocolate box, you know, to steal the name of an old Prince bootleg. Um, it really is a, ve- you know, there are a lot of nice selections here. Uh, I, 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 what, what do you think of Train Chopin? Uh, do you know what? You know, you're saying that it doesn't give you that special thing. I said it doesn't consistently give me that special thing because uh, sometimes, yeah. sometimes when that, it's the bit, the call and the, there's a nice little call and answer session, you know. You know, the bit where the vocal goes, I'll be with you. You know, like yeah. as an like, answer, it's like, there's a train that's in the morning. It's, it's, it's a great little, yeah, I do love it. I do love it, actually. I mean, it wouldn't be the one that I'd list first off, but as the tune goes, you know, my body starts to rock as I imagine that. Do 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 like and that kind of cla- clavinet line, yeah, yeah. I it's a, it's a crazy song. What can I say? Um, but this is the problem with the box set this big. Yeah, <laughs> even a song like Train can get lost. Absolutely, a box set this big. I mean, and like 
how many more actually fantastic songs have we not even come into mind yet? Like, I know, I know. Oh yeah, we've got nowhere, as I knew we would. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I like this pitching song stuff, though. Chuck, chuck one in that you want to talk about. Oh. Or is it Chopin? Is it your round? Uh, if somebody's got something to... Okay, I'm going to, say, I'm going to pitch one that everybody's going to be... Uh, all you guys are going to be happy that I'm giving love, I'm guessing. And it's Soul Psychedelicide, because, oh. because this... This is why I love the revolution. Like, like when we talk about all of the stuff, when we're talking about you know, like eighties versus nineties. Ultimately, I love both. But when I talk, about, when I think about the revolution, and when I think about what's the revolution, the the thing that uh, the revolution do best, and it's like ice cream, and an hour later they're still on the same groove, and and it's just. It's, oh. This is just, this is the sound that Prince built his sound on, and I love it. I really want Prince shouting ice cream as my text ringtone. I would would now suggest that we petition that all ice cream vans are Prince. Instead of green sleeves, you like, you you get up off a summer's day and you hear, ice cream, and that's the ice cream vans. (laughs) And, and it's like, if anybody was going to kind of make an argument that Bobby Z doesn't get enough love, it's that, it's so Bobby and it's so, it, it, it's just like, it's so on the nose and that's what makes it fantastic. It, it swallows its own tail. That's how good it is. Yeah. It's, it's like, Bobby. it doesn't need any, it's, it's like chlorine bacon skin. It doesn't need anything more than what it is. It's terrific. And then I, what's going on around it as well, though, the rest of the rev, huh? Yeah, it's just... And so, uh, so this is where, again, another example of how you can never you can never show someone what Prince is with one postcard or 10 postcards or 100 because we all know there's an hour version of that there. Yeah. And, like, I would happily listen to the hour. They could have released the... They could have released a one-off one hour version of Soul Psychedelicide as a Prince release and it would have been amazing. So as amazing as the 12 minute version is, I'm like, that that to me is the frustration of trying to put Prince in a box or yeah. a box set. It's all great. <laughs> that should point. be a record state the record store day release on Shouldn't its own. Soul Psychedelicide hour long. One <laughs> yeah. hour, stacks of wax. Four sides. Fifteen minutes aside done except I'm they, two record you, players and do the, the whole only problem with four sides is you wouldn't want to stop to turn it over would you that's the whole point <laughs> yeah, we'd all have to buy two copies and buy double decks and be the DJ <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, yeah, yeah, but, yeah that makes sense but, but like honestly it's like uh, it, it's, it sounds great at 12 minutes but it sounds great at an hour so what a terribly yeah. arbitrary thing to have to do as a archiver no other no archivers of other popular artists really have these problems well, well, the length of it, I think, is more determined by the fact that you can hear on the hour-long version, he says, start recording now. So with a 24-track tape, it's not like, it's not like kind of like two-track tapes. If this, is into, if this is a recording to a 24-track tape, it's only going to be 22 minutes long. 
21 minutes long. So there's like, they're only going to have, it's like America, uh, tw- 21 minute version. It's, uh-huh. it's pretty much the length of the 24 track tape. Okay, so this is 12 minutes, yeah. So that, that, this was the this is what you're saying, like okay. Because okay. he, if you listen to the hour-long one, if, I mean, I haven't listened to it, the whole thing for a couple of years, but I seem to remember because I remember him giving commands to punch in and punch out, and I remember when he said that, I was like, God, I'd love to hear that, Master. I'd love to hear what's on that that 24 track. You know, like what he does with that 24 track. How did he overdub it? Did he make it a song? And like, did he did he record a like another verse or something? But okay, actually, so just left as it is. It is. So this is kind of Prince's on the fly edit, anyway. I yeah, I imagine so. Actually, yeah, I am. I think that's what this is. I mean, don't quote me on it, but I'll, I'll buy that. I'm saying there's a there's a point at which I don't mind if I'm hearing something that's not 24 track. If it's like, you know, I I I, I would still happily listen to the hour even if it wasn't all done on 24 track. Well, his sound guy was so good at creating two track mixes. Uh-huh. Actually, it doesn't matter because they were, I mean, those, those sample boots of those uh, rehearsals, they are a great mix. I mean, I, I'm not entirely sure how much the 24 track adds unless you're actually going to overdub stuff onto it, but it doesn't seem like he did. But I'll tell uh, you something. I think we all, we all love this at whatever length. Correct. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so yeah. I'm, I'm still the only guy who's just batting zero. <laughs> like you say, I'll go on. It's distilled and bottled revolution at its best. Brilliant. Oh, yeah. I would agree with that. So go on then. Another one uh, for me is the guitar type chap, and because when I listen, the more I listen to it, the more I hear him channeling John Fashante years before he was probably born. Um, is Blanche. Oh, the, yeah. the sort of nuts, gentle, free... This is, this is for me, where the freedom of his playing... So uh, bear with me on this. So a few things have, have happened recently that have brought up these ideas of who's the best guitar player when we've lost dear old Eddie. Big thing for me, I have to yeah. say. Um, but these discussions have been going on. and I, 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 my, my opinion about Prince is, no, if you, if you had the... T- Granted, it's it's subjective, and there are lots of different aspects to playing the guitar, and it's it's inevitably mixed in and out of songwriting ability and all these kind of things. As a, as a pure guitarist, Prince isn't in the top ten of the absolute best guitarists of all time. To me, I almost want to say, of course, he isn't in a sense. But but do you mean technically? Uh, I mean, if you took. Uh, Sort of holistically, if you took all the all the aspects of guitar playing, I, I, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't put him in the top ten world. Now, if you talked about, uh, let's not. <laughs> there's a podcast here, so let's not go mad. There's <laughs> if if you talked about like rhythm playing, I think there's uh, there's more argument arguments to be had if you went if you sort of consolidate down to things like that. But anyway, but the thing about Blanche is it speaks very much to his playing in that. It's just like complete, I don't know, it's like complete freedom. He's kind of not thinking, but going exactly where he wants to go. There's no, it just, there's no effort. It's just a oneness of the, the thing that is centrally Prince and picking up a guitar and going. And that is what I love about this track. And, and the weird thing that makes me think of John Fashanti's playing, because it's a little bit similar in a sense. But um, 
and and again, it's it's it, it's a track that's sort of light, sort of a bit of a daft to to quote a sort of Yorkshire quote, and I love that because he's playing, and Prince. It gets very confusing if you say playing and playing. Prince's guitar playing. When I used to sort of watch um, bootlegs of him doing the long drawn out solo of, of sort of head on the Dirty Mind tour, he, he he's he's just he's just floating around. There's no yet. You have other people who do sort of impressive things that are working at it, have drilled it, have done A, B, and C. Prince's guitar playing is basically from from his emotive center to his fingers and out through the speakers. No filter. No plan, it just goes. And, and Blanche really, really makes me think that. Mm. Uh, and as I was listening to it in the context of, of I'd say, recent, recent guitar conversations, Blanche sort of stood out for me for those reasons. I, I, it's interesting you talk about like, the greatest guitars and everything like that. Um, I think what makes him an amazing guitarist and I'm not going to go into who's the best and who's the best but you mentioned Eddie Van Halen uh, who absolutely phenomenal fantastic guitarist but if you listen to that beat it guitar solo that's composed by cutting apart like an hour of playing you know like yeah, it's like it's 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 post constructed into these great solos as opposed to even if Prince what Prince wasn't doing was technically uh, the best or the most innovative, innovative, what he could do was compose on the fly in real time. And I think he did that. And not just guitarist, I just think as a musician, he was someone who could compose in real time. And I think the way he structured his bands as well and got them to come, you know, answer to hand commands and stuff was testament to that. And I think you can hear that in, I think you're right. You can hear that in Blanche and, and I think there's a couple of other songs like that. And I've mentioned it before. It's like Chlorine Bacon Skin uh, and maybe even like De Bourgeoisie, you know, where these, you know, and My Medallion, they're these, just these kind of stories that just flow from nothing. And even Coco Boys, actually, they just kind of these, you know, you can feel the, the actual flow of inspiration in the same way that you could hear Hendrix flow. Even if, yeah. And again, it's not. It's not. I can. I can hear the people who, who you know, never, who are just Prince fans to the point of anybody who says anything is boom evil. It, it, I, I can hear that. I mean, you know, I can happily say that if 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 the sign of the times box set doesn't show that this guy was the most talented all round writer and player and live performer. It, it, it's, for me, it strips away any any logical argument it, completely. Because if you, if you take it on its own, it's it's good. If you take it with everything else, it's just like come on. What did the old What did the old promo say? Makes Michael Jackson look nailed to the floor. <laughs> Michael Jackson was a song and dance man. One that I uh, whose music I love, but it was a song yeah. and dance. Man. Anyway, we really are going into. into <laughs> Yeah, I can diverge on that. But I, l- listen, I can, I, like, I hear your points and I kind of don't, you know, the, the greatest ever and what have you, I don't really kind of get into that because a lot of the times, unless you're talking about a defined aspect, it becomes about who's your favourite. Uh, yeah. You know. Uh, Ooh. Ooh, there is a podcast there then, because I, I 
Yeah. Yeah. Controversial. We'll, we'll do a side chat about guitars. <laughs> but um, Prince, just nothing makes, else. Prince just makes weird choices all the time and they don't sound like other people's choices and that's what separates him. Mm-hmm. He, his voice, not just his voice of his voice, his singing voice, but his voice, what he has to say on any of these instruments is frequently surprising, always surprising in this phase. Also, with the vastness of this box set, this doesn't cover his full creative. You know, like the vastness, you have something that's this big, this expansive, covers uh, an era-defining album, uh, the change between two bands, it's got outtakes, it's got releases, it's got remixes, it's got a live show, and it doesn't even begin to cover the full breadth of what he did. It's nowhere near, is it? It's so bizarre. And like that's what I mean. Like you doesn't have the flesh sessions. It doesn't show you Madhouse. It doesn't show you the Black Album. And I'm not saying it should, but like it is so hard even to show people the overview of what Prince was. Nothing does it except except exploring everything. That's you know that's Prince. If you want to know how great he was, you have to just look at everything and then try and paint a picture. And even then, it it confounds me half the time. I kind of un- I kind of get why some people can't get I why can't I totally, get it. Can get, I totally get it. It's the same way that I don't I with acts like Sun Ra, I don't have a way in. I, I've always found it too intimidating to even begin dissecting someone like that. And I think to a larger extent, like we said earlier, um well, Frank Zappa as well. Like sometimes it's just too big the well, funny thing with the funny thing with Prince is he made loads of ways to invite you in. He made yeah. things that were irresistible, like Raspberry Beret and Kiss yeah. and yeah. When Doves Cry and Purple Rain. And he goes, come in, come in. But when you get in, it's like, there's quite a lot of other shit here too. And that frightens off some people. And other people are like, oh no, you're in the spider's web now. You are going to come with me because you've got a lot of other places to look at. But he's highly, highly unusual. You have such proficient musicianship and pop anthem timeless pop anthems that sold million million millions there are plenty of musicians out there who are stunning but they couldn't write a song to save their life and there are some other musicians out there who can make who make big pop songs and that's it that's the end of the story Hmm. yeah Yeah. prince was a great career to have to have even one is is a great musician and it's a great skill but it's interesting that Several times we've talked about crossroads and you know and kind of internal battles and and I think that was another one like you know am I a musician am I a sh- am I a song and dance showman because he was both I mean there was times when really you know he dropped all instruments for the parade tour and was a show a song and dance man band leader James Brown desk yeah yeah. And then, you know, there's some some tours where he's just like, he's using every opportunity to pick up every different instrument. And it's like... Well, that's interesting because another thing, partly prompted by all of the really good narrative that's been built around this set and the podcast and the book, but partly because there's been so much material for me to get my head around. I had to stop listening to it like it was, uh, you know the magic gifts of the guy we like best, you know, this magic bestower of magic. (laughs) And I started listening to it, calming down a bit and listening to it like, 
This is a 27-year-old man. And he doesn't know what's coming next. We know what's coming next. And we know everything that came next because we know everything he made now, you know, more or less. But this was somebody just looking to decide where to go next. And when you start breaking it down and listening to it as, here's a 27-year-old man, a superb, an extraordinary one, figuring out some ideas, then it humanizes it again. And then I start to really work. Then I start to really listen to the songs. Prince gives you so much. It's really easy to just quickly chew one, go "Mm, green opal fruit oil, Starburst now, green Starburst, spit that one out, purple Starburst, spit that one out. Oh, Revels, a bag of Revels. And we get, we get quite lazy about, you just go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me the next one. Blow my mind with this. Blow my mind. Stop and go back to everyone and think about an actual human being singing them and let the song, just let the song come down off its pedestal and decide if you like the song again. And that's when they open up to me, not when I'm blasted with 70 tracks here or whatever, and we've all got a lot of expectations about them. Well, I mean, that's a perfect, it's kind of interesting you said about kind of like listening to a song and thinking about another, and it's just like you're thinking, oh, I know what comes next, because... Like I was listening to, uh, when the, on its own when the dawn of the morning comes, is is a great little track. I like I love it. It's like what a day, what a day. Like but part of, but part of me was singing trust. Who do you? Oh, I was about to say it sounds yeah. like the prototype for trust. Yeah, and, it, and it's just it, and it's like we've said before about that. The, the, I mean, there are these songs that didn't probably didn't get released because they're seed tracks for four or five different ones and people would know it all was just like he made you know he took this idea and that idea and that idea and he took four from the one song there is this there is this pressure to look at every song and go is that as good as if i was your girlfriend is this as good as for every no these were these were this is prince's musical diary these are the songs you know he didn't select it doesn't it doesn't mean they're bad but they're not what if you go into them going you know have I got five different? Have I got five alternate classic albums here? No, that's not exactly the point. Also, the creative process isn't as clean as that. It isn't. You go in there and you write your hits. You, you know, like the creative process is. I had to write those three mediocre tunes, the two bad ones, and the five kind of great ones to make the to make the life changing one. Yeah, you so know, that's the creative process. I mean, so it's I, not as clean. And this, and that's what this box set does a really great. So, so it does, but I think you have to slow down and like get go on a deep dive into a lot of these songs to get just to just to bring it down again. Go, this is a song. What's happening in the four and a half minutes here? Do I like it? Not, you know, and th- and then I start liking them. <laughs> hmm. and, like, and like you know, the, for me, the best Prince music has always taken its time to reveal itself. And one that I do want to talk about is uh, you know. Is Cosmic, we've talked about it a little, I guess, before. Cosmic Day. I did not think much of it at first. I couldn't hear what was interesting about it. And the more I listened to it, it's one of those magic songs for me where you just go, I don't even think I remember that two-minute section. That was never there until until my 20th listen. And you just go, because uh, you just don't, and you, you just go, great. It's got a beat and it's got another beat going, buh, 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 buh. And then at one point, and at some point, you go, no, hold on, I understand the language of this song now, and I love the shape of it. I love the way it seems to regenerate itself like a battery that gets recharged halfway through. And the actual solos in it are so easy to overlook if you just go, yeah, yeah, what, never take the place of your man, squealy, squealy. No, slow down and let it go through you. It's an amazing song. 
love the song. It is. I love. I love the me- the mechanical relentlessness of it, but it doesn't. It doesn't feel like it's relentless. It's well, just it, strange. Well, this is this is one of the ones where we're not talking about a horizontal melody. This melody skips up and down all over the place, more like something like "Good Love" or something. So this is the and and also like the fact that it was Camille-like, but actually. We're, uh, it was actually not as subtle as Camille. It almost goes into like he's trying to make a female vocal out of his vocal here, and or something. And um, I had to. I, I didn't like that at first, but now, ah, uh, I don't even know how to start describing something like Cosmic Day. It's so strange. And at first, it sounded, it sounded like it, it was bereft of ideas to me. And now it sounds like I don't even have the vocabulary to know what it's about, but I love it. Yeah, I can't really add to what has already been said on this track. It's one that did have to grow on me, um, 100%. It wasn't one of those instant, I love it. But I, ha- I think I'm just about kind of getting to the point where you guys are, and I think I'm on a couple more listens, and it will fully have set in. But the claws have kind of just hooked in with me with that track. Really I'm finally a- starting to understand it. Like even the way the third verse, the the verse, the melody of the third verse mm-hmm. is a variation of the tune of the first two verses. It's, there's so mm-hmm. much. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I like it. It's great. Yeah. It's also it's really weird the groove because the the kick drum is so thin that it sounds more like a foot tapping on wood, like those sound effects stepping than it does like a kick drum. And a lot of the grounding in the groove is just comes from a kind of like a percussive, uh, percussive kind of pluck at the start of the bass line. And that's what kind of roots it in groove as opposed to that because it's so light. And, but it's also, this is one where, because I've got the vinyl box set and I've got a very speed on my decks that I kind of, I was, I was just too curious what does it sound like at the speed that he recorded it at? Uh-huh. Oh my god! I, you know, I, 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 I get it's the more interesting and more inventive track when you speed it up, but it's it's a solid groove when you slow it down a bit. It's 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 really good. I I loved. I, like I was just. I don't know if it's just like kind of like the listening to something new or something the same in a different way but it's i mean and that, therein lies the other thing the choices that he had to make about all of this the horns in and the ballad of dorothy parker the fact that you've got a good song whether you speed it up or slow it down what's the good song what's the great song what's the and yeah i kind of it's it's overwhelming being presented with this stuff let alone actually being presented with it and having to make sense of it and then does any, does anyone here an album does anyone here feel like they've fully digested this set like a month and a half after having it no no i i, I definitely haven't i mean i'm much closer than i was but that's <laughs> there's still so much to think about god damn it i think i think you it's not so much the amount of stuff that's on here because if this was like this much, if this was now 53, you know, or whatever, and it had this many discs of pop music, I would have dissected it by now. Yeah, that's because they're all of those, sort of, on something like now 53, you're essentially listening to 
songs that are made to be listened to and not thought about that deeply. They're, they're, pop, they're pop hits. And I don't mean that in a disparaging way. No. It's no, broadly the same remit. But that's my point, is yeah. that you, you will have, you know, easily digestible, made to be easily digestible music. There's plenty of easily di- easy to digest music on this. And I think actually, weirdly enough, the ones that are easier to digest are actually getting weirdly not as thought of in a some in some way because they're just being they're not you know you're not thinking about them therefore you know you're passing it on to the next kind of conundrum um you know like teacher teacher or train you know like they're really easy suggestible songs and uh, but it's that in all my dreams yeah or cosmic day which aren't as you know even even though the fact that you've heard a lot of these songs before, like Power Fantastic, like, I love that song. Oh my God, the version on the hits, oh my God. Clearly, you know, it's up there, one of the most emotional and powerful Prince vocals. So what One you, of my favourite Prince songs ever. Yeah, it's it's just stunning. I, 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 that's another one that I want to see the, tw- the 24 track just to deconstruct what's going on, you know, in... Where's the magic in all of that? In I'd the recipe, the, I'd love to add the horns from Dorothy Parker to Power Fan Tech. No, not really. <laughs> but then you give. So what you do is you take off those those really well, you know, those those beautiful that beautiful vocal performance and give us like kind of the raw guide vocal and take away some of the gloss and the production. And then you're like, somehow you've revealed something else and. The magic is just as beautiful. I and, like this vocal take a lot. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think is you it, know it's a different vocal take than the one that's on the hits, but it's. Is it? Is it? Um, I haven't worked this out yet. Is it actually, or I haven't compared? Is it? Is it the same uh, mu- uh, arrangement take? Is it the same musical take, or is it? I think so yeah, it's so, just that 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 kind of warm up thing was on the bootleg. But yeah, it wasn't on the, but and it was on the early configurations. But they cut it off for some reason for the hits. So the, sorry, the the backing to the song is the same we think as the hits version, and it's yeah, yeah, yeah. The instrumental stuck back on, and it's got an alternate raw take, a uh, vocal take. Yeah, it's just it's, a lot of the reverbs are taken off of it. I think is the difference. Okay. That's why it's it's a, it's a drier mix. So it's kind of they're trying to give you this is what it sounds like raw in the studio. Um. Basically, like I'm very they, happy to get that full story in the podcast. Yeah, um, I don't know if you guys all heard it the full story about them all being in the studio and the raw vocal take. Oh, what I'd have done to have been in that room and heard Prince's vocal for that track yeah. be laid down just nothing but his vocal. Oh, it'd have been incredible. Very jealous. I mean, yeah. again, there's a song that ha- you look at it and you go, how was it not released on something, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah like, why, why was that just like a kind of like a bonus track on a greatest hits? Like, because, because definitely Prince, I mean, I'm not saying because, but because Prince was somewhere else because he didn't want to put out a revolution track in what, you know, there wasn't time, the, the moment had passed for it in his, that was- in his releases, yeah. I felt the same about for the tears in your eyes yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, but where would it go if you were putting it on a Prince album? Where would you put it? Well, like, 
I guess that's a good question. Because you have to ask yourself, is there anything, is there anything in this, uh, on these three discs that you would take off, we'll say because of the, the period that everything was recorded across uh, to be devil's advocate, is there anything you would take off Parade and Sign of the Times and replace with something off this three disc set? No, but that's because I'm very, very wedded to the artist's choice. And like, I don't like playing those breakup albums. I mean, yeah, no, I, I would, I would struggle. I like to think not just because I'm used to a thing and I'm sort of uh, encoded, but yeah, the quality of what's on the albums can't be sort of under, underplayed, even though there's lots of other quality stuff kicking about. I mean, like all my dreams is super, super quality track. Um, uh, what were we just talking about? Power, fantastic. Um, there's others on here. I mean, Rebirth of the Flesh is incredible. Um, what else? That, I would yeah. have. I, I would have the last two tracks possibly on Sign of the Times. Um, if I had to, like, if it was like gun to my head, had to make a change, I would replace the last two tracks with the Crystal Ball. Oh, oh! I mean, don't do that to us. <laughs> you would have taken off. It's going to be a beautiful night in the door. I mean, it's going to be a beautiful night. We got, we got to get into that. It, we got to get into that eighties, nineties thing. <laughs> for the crystal, the crystal ball for crystal ball. Come on, crystal ball know. is possibly the, the best door. track. Oh, you kidding? A door? It took me a while don't to get the door. But ah. Uh. I mean, it I would maybe swap it for Power Fantastic. Wow. That would be a gun to my head swap. You know what? Leave it as it is. It was great. <laughs> I shouldn't have mentioned it. I shouldn't have put this particular crucible out there, should I? I said gun to you, said gun to the head. I mean, like, come on. Like, you said gun, said gun to the head. That's what I'm saying. If I had to, like, make some sort of change, I, I don't know. Crystal Boys. <laughs> Andy's going to be sending me hate mail now saying if you ever bring something up like this again. <laughs> I think if I had to make one change, I would put the horns from Dorothy Parker on all the tracks. On some of the tracks. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I, um, it, Can you imagine them in a door? Sorry. <laughs> I, I think, um, I think like Crystal, I mean, Crystal Ball just doesn't sound like the end of an album to me. Agreed. It sounds like the start of an album. It does start yeah. like the start of an album. Yeah. Like, um, actually, the, what, again, like, um, there, there's so many variables to juggle. Like, it is what you know, it's what you've got used to. But, um, yeah, you know, you can't change these things. They are what they are. But Crystal, uh, it, it was hard for me to listen to this seven-inch mix of Crystal Ball at first because it's not a seven-inch song. But... It was funny. I, I just couldn't relax into it at all. It just didn't sound like anything. And then about like maybe the 30th time round, it was like, hey, I really like that as a three-minute song now. I mean, I, it doesn't take... I mean, I love the 10-minute version of Crystal Ball, but funnily, but suddenly it just made sense to me. Like a three-and-a-half-minute version of Crystal Ball sounds fine. But it's like... Uh, I think people would have thought that way about Computer Blue if they'd only ever heard the 12-inch one. 
Yeah, I'll go like, yeah. Could, like when I when you go back and listen to the album version of Computer Blue after I'd after I'd heard the full length version, and I feel the same way about Hallucination Rain after uh, listening to the full one, and you just go, "Why on earth would you cut this?" Like, oh, it makes perfect sense to me. I love the cut Computer Blue, and I, I love the long one, but the um, the cut Computer Blue does it, 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 it's a sweet even in its four and a half minutes or whatever. Whereas the cut crystal ball is just like, <laughs> it's, just, it's the same thing for three and a half minutes. It yes. happens to be a delightful same thing, but it may, that, but it didn't, but at least Computer Blue, by your argument, contains a mini version mm. of itself. It's, it's, a, it's a movement and it does yeah. exactly the right things for the pace of the Purple Rain story. But this, this, this slab of crystal ball does not hint at, at the, the manifestations. But, but I suddenly, yeah, but you, I suddenly love it after like 30 listens. My only I have to point, say, it always has to be the 10-minute version for me. Well, you know, that's the right answer as well, definitely. Or just that's the right answer. <laughs> but I, it's just, it's funny how suddenly it just made, it, it made sense to me after not making any sense at all. My only disappointment with it is, is because it's got nothing new on it. I was hoping, uh, like hope upon hope, that the seven-inch version would would have the bit that's cut off of Crystal Ball, the full song. You know the bit with uh, um, Susan going, uh, "Brothers and sisters of the Purple Underground, bring peace of mind with the pop sound." You know, do 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 You know that that extended bit. Yeah, I wish that. And if and if that was on the seven inch, I would have been like, "All right, well, the seven inch is you know the seven inch mix is bringing us something that the full ten minute Crystal Ball doesn't." And it's it's interesting to know that Crystal Ball was edited because that implies it was considered for either an A side or a B side. Which is so it's historically relevant that there's an edit, but it it doesn't bring the new stuff. So I'm hoping that that version of crystal ball with the, with that extended bit and no strings is going to be on the parade. I just don't see it. Here's my take on this. And now I am second guessing, but I think this is a rights thing. This is the, if you read the book that comes with this, if you're listening to the podcast, crystal ball is a huge part of the sign of the times narrative. It's one of the album configurations. It's the, it's a key track. They had to, this is the one it belongs on, and they just I don't think they had access to it because the lo, one of the longer versions has been released, and they it, it bugs me to hell. But I think this is where you start getting really like you know movie star should be on this uh, on this box set maybe, but it, because it's been released, I can see why they didn't want to. But I think they just didn't want it to go. They didn't see it. They wanted to. They didn't want to see it as repetition. But yeah, well, uh, uh, well, same. Well, same with crystal. The long crystal ball. To me, it's like goddamn, repeat it. This is a big part of the story you're writing. Mm. Just mm. put the ten minute version on there. Give us the seven inch for sure historical Ooh. records, but put the ten minute on there. It's weird not to. Also, yeah. put in that rough dream, the Dream Factory mix where it didn't have strings and and had that extended bit of you know, like that was on the kind of rough configuration. I'd have been down for that 10 minutes. Yeah, I don't know. The, the SD, Super Deluxe Edition is something that the hardcore fan is going to buy. So we've got the information to fill in the gaps, to not have it twice and realise that the crystal ball that was released in the 90s was 
we know what that was and we know that that stuff was from all eras and it was like cherry picked i i have to slightly disagree there i wouldn't even though there is some parity with the other songs in terms of they all came from the same clutch in a sense i would prefer to have new stuff at this stage and i think Uh casual listeners who are the majority listeners who would have bought the standard remaster and or the just the deluxe with the beast you know as far as they're concerned the b-sides and a few 12 inch stuff then I think we're better getting new stuff, I have to say. Uh, but I, it, it, it's kind of irksome. Yeah. <laughs> it just, it steadily just sort of picks at the edges of, 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 your, of your mind. Yeah. But I, um, again, that's what Spotify is for. I know. Yeah. I know but you know, it, it, it strikes me there's a lot of, like, it's hard to, this is a hard box set to talk about without going, I think this. But yeah. I also kind of think this. It's very hard to do. It's, it, there's so many things crashing into each other, and it's such a complex part of his story. Well, there's, I mean, there's like positive aspects of it. It's like you said, there's no story in five versions of You Can Call Me Al re released that are all slightly different. Well, I, I like that stuff too, to be yeah. fair. I, well, I, I like the like song's development, but, 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 but like, with, like with Prince, it would take about. No, you know, I'm not kidding here. It would take about four box sets of this size to do everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, this, this is already a 13 LP box set. Well, even like uh, like a place in heaven, the backwards one. I, I, I'm not gonna. I love it. Yeah, I, I love it. But there's also that's that. I, I I was I expecting the cut intro where you know you got Wendy and Lisa going you know well welcome to Honey Rock got any dreams you ain't using and you know, that bothers me that that's not a, yeah that bothers yeah me. That, that that kind of bothered me but but then then it bothers me that we cut we can funk the Miko one isn't on this and it's a brilliant track and they clearly haven't included that because they put we can fuck out on Purple Rain there's it, it, I'm not saying like. I'm not saying we should find these people and beat some sense. No, I'm not advocating for them. No, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying anything of the sort. It's an absolutely, it, it's a difficult task because of the person they're, they're no, It must be a nightmare for them. It must be an absolute nightmare for them uh, in that sense that how, you're not going to please everyone. Um, Can you imagine if that was our job and we had to sit around the table and agree on these decisions? It would take a very long time. Yeah, we've got to remember though that the 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 super deluxe edition wasn't the major part of all this. That the the remaster of the album was what most people will experience, know, have the concentration for, and that kind of thing. Right. This this one's for people who are prepared to fork out a significant amount of money for something that is vast and sprawling. Yeah. And, uh, so it is, it is niche. It, it, when all said and done, it is niche stuff. This is yeah. how they pay for to, this is how they pay to make this stuff for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, yeah. and here's the thing: this is how vast and sprawling this whole box set is. We have gone probably an hour and forty minutes, and we still haven't mentioned Wally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can't formulate an opinion on Wally the song. Perhaps uh, it, it was lovely the amount it was concentrated on on the official podcast, and I absolutely love love the fact that the official podcast is so so much more intrinsically enmeshed with this release than 
you know, I just knew it was there and you should listen to it. it, it it's so enmeshed with this release in such a, um, a sort of a fundamental, uh, fundamental so, and subliminal way. But it, it's such a strange, I, I just find myself thinking, as I'm sure you guys do, God damn it, I want to listen to the original that Susan was trying to convince him <laughs> not to erase because that would give it even more context. And you would, you, again, we talk about story. That would, that would be such an amazing story in itself, you know. But I can't make my mind up what I think of that song. As a tune, fantastic. Deeper than that, I can't find purchase yet. I think possibly... I'm actually the same as you, Paddy. It's one that I've listened to the podcast and they it's one that's talked about a lot, it's discussed a lot because of the story. And then when it actually comes to listening, I don't quite get what everybody else is quite latching onto. I know it's got like a real backstory and things like that, but as in musically as a track, it hasn't latched me the way it seems to so many other people. I like it. I, like I just don't understand it and can't create your I, sorry Andy no not at all I think um, sorry to talk over you but I um, it because there's all it's always the one that got away because he erased it so in our heads now oh, by the way Susan Rogers she rates other tracks that I don't find that amazing or she she has very different tastes from things that I find astounding sometimes so who knows right but but it, but it's 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 always the one that got away. It's the it's the big one. So in our heads, it exists as this absolute, you know, Prince standing on his own shoulders or going right down to the bone, doing some doing the culmination of his emotional work in one song. So it can be anything that we can imagine or anything that we can dream of. So it will never stand up to that. So what do you have to work with? You have to work with the thing he did three days later, which is this. So this is a great example for me of take it down off of that and just go, all right, I'll follow the narrative. To me, this is, again, a 27-year-old man who was heartbroken, happened to be a musical genius, so that's lucky, um, but heartbroken, who doesn't want to actually put himself on the line with his truth the way he did for the first recording. So he's now going to be disguising it and pulling his punches and just making it as a record of that track in case he wants that track. So given that, given that he's pulling his punches and playing within himself rather than re... It's a performance of a performance, yeah? Mm. If, I follow Su- if, I, if I follow Susan's narrative and if I, if I try and imagine that, it's a, it's, a, it's, an, it's a performance of a real feeling. Yeah. That to, me, that to me is interesting in itself. Now I think about why he's doing that and that's quite emotive to me. That here's somebody who think you know who just wants to record it for the ages, but not that one. That was too real. It's it's funny. It speaks yeah. It speaks to me of the time that those times in your life where you do a thing or say a thing to a person, which at the time is the absolute irresistible right thing to do and say emotionally, because you have the overriding emotional need to say it, and the blinkers are on to everything that might be take a step back. So the, the, the thought that, but the, tantal, the tantalizing thought that something that, was dry, that drove Prince to, to create this thing that we've never heard that Susan Rogers be- allegedly begged him not yeah. to, what, what was that? It's like, 
You can't. Oh, mind blown. It's gone. But you yeah, it's really intangible. But you, yeah, can yeah. Revert, you can reverse engineer it from listening to the performance. There are, yeah. there are still bit, there are still bits to me in there that sound. They like they give me hints of the of of whatever Prince was genuinely feeling. But it's it's just um, there, there are bits where I think, where I think he's doing you know as he's doing quote unquote the Broadway version of feeling that emotion. And there are other bits where I still think it seeps out. And the fact, it, and uh, I'm just reading into it and trying to, I'm trying to listen to it as a song. The, the narrative still bleeds. I like this. Sorry, Chopin, yeah. No, no, no. You, you said something that really sparked something that I remembered. When you talk about the Broadway version of an emotion, I think that is kind of pretty much what you got with this version of Wally. But kind of what that reminded me of, there's, there's parts in the guitar part, and I'm, you know, you know, we're talking about this earlier on about the song tree and everything, and like this being from this and this kind of leading to this. There are guitar parts in that solo that remind me of Strays of the World. Uh huh. And, and it's interesting that that's for a musical, the Glam Slam Ulysses, and that's for a musical thing and, you know, quite bombastic and it's quite, you know, it starts off in that low-key way and then builds to the same way. And it's interesting that you kind of talk about this as a Broadway version of the emotion because I think, it, like, of this in the same way, he's kind of performing in the same way, performing the emotion in the same way. And... And I think there's a kind of, and also like kind of a song blueprint to that. It's just, there was just something when I was listening to it, like I was kind of like, there was like the wailing at the end. I was just like, oh, I'm sure that riff or uh, and a very close version of that is in Strays of the World. I mean, I can't, I can't, I can only imagine as we all can, but my guess is that the original Wally wasn't so disguised basically this seems to try and disguise what it's really about with yeah. different starting and stopping and little musical flourishes to take your eye off the main prize and they're really lovely and the melody is beautiful la 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 what am i gonna do and like the very start of it how is it um oh my life that what was the lyrics all my life or something Oh, my head is beautiful. There's yeah. so many fragments in there, but I think what he's trying to do is go, don't look at anyone. I think he's saying, don't look at anyone for too long. I don't want you to see or hear anything that I really meant, and I don't want to mean it. But then it might and not if, even... I think if you concentrate on that song and go, actually, I'm sorry, you're doing a really good magic trick, but I'm going to watch your hands. I am not going to be distracted. Then it starts to yeah. cohere as, an, as a flow, uh, a song that flows, and it... And then I can hear it, but I have to watch that little trickster very carefully because by, you know, by my understanding, if we take Susan's story at face value, he is trying to hide. And I'm like, no, there's good shit in there. Also, if you think about the timing, he's kind of obsessed with musicals at this point and doing a musical because you've got the Coco Boys. This would make sense that it would be for that project. And also you got to remember that, you know, Madonna, uh, you know, Madonna approached him off of doing Speed the Plow, and 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 she's like, let's write some songs, and he's like, no, let's write a musical, and she says, so he she, he fought me on the idea of just doing one pop song, he said he constantly wanted to do a music a whole musical with me, and then you know, you know that forms into Graffiti Bridge and goes through, you know, yeah, oh, there's definitely, but it's interesting. I think this. 
this song I c- can imagine was probably it, you know like when if you look at the structure and everything and being around the same time as like Coco Boys it's like I'd be hard pressed to think that he wasn't considering this for that I think maybe he was going I can rework this as something that's musically affecting but in a yeah different a different framework it's not going to be the bare reveal of my soul it's going to be a string pulling effect for theatre or something I hear that and I do it it really repays close close attention it does sound like a load of fragments at first it really does and but the the more you don't let it get away from you the more you go yeah I see the through line it's it's a it's an amazing song I think even in this pretend version yeah, because in his initial words of Wally, where'd you get those glasses? You know, the, I'm looking for a hot girl. Nowhere within that sentiment is the emotion required for a crescendo this big. Right. You know, uh, and then it's not until it's like, because well, my girl's left me and I just want to, I just very- want someone else tonight. I just want to, and it's like, and once it, you. It reminds me of the difference between old friends for sale, 80s and 90s. The 90s one, the 90s one, we actually, you can hear the truth of the emotion on the 80s one. The 90s one is a bunch of lyrics that scans that doesn't give anything away. And so it does not touch the sides. Now, if we had the original Wally here, I probably would be saying, just forget Wally number two, it can fuck off forever. But because I don't, I have to, because I don't, I, it, it makes it almost, it's, it's so intriguing to me. What was he hiding? And like, I've only got the clues of the second version. Imagine if we didn't have Old Friends for Sale 1 and all we had was a story that he wrote a very personal song called Old Friends for Sale, which he destroyed and then re-recorded yeah. without any real commitment in the 90s. I'm not, you know, and to me, it's exact. you know, Old Friends for Sale 2 is the same song, but it couldn't be further. It's Prince Paleontology. You know, it's just like, if, if you've Paleontology! Got, yeah, Paleontology. And <laughs> 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 about the dinos? <laughs> I know, just easy Cretaceous. No, but, um, you know, everybody wants to know what a dinosaur was like, but all we've got is the bones. You know, but there's flesh on those bones that we we will always fantasize about. Everybody wants what they don't got. I really <laughs> wish it was called. I wish it was called. Everybody wants to know what a dinosaur. What was that? Sorry. Everybody wants. <laughs> Sorry, Leo. Like a she was packing it in. <laughs> yeah, like a brontosaurus. <laughs> Leo, what did you want to say? Oh no, I was just enjoying um, the dinosaur talk. (laughs) (laughs) We can can do that all night. Uh, uh. I love Big Tall Wall. Big Tall Wall? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I always loved the fragment I had of the second version as a bootleg and wanted to hear more. And funnily enough, the first version is a real grower for me, the poppy one. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's another one that um, benefits from all the background and, and colour that the podcast give it. I'm sorry, I'm like a bloody broken record of the podcast. But um, it's, it's, yeah, 
strange little song, but you know exactly what it, you know, you know exactly what the, I'm saying you do and you don't, you know, you know her version of what, of what she thinks it was, but um, yeah, another, another really good pop song um, in the same sense of, of train, teacher, teacher, that kind of thing. Um, I think I've got, I think I've got a further, a bit more road to travel with Big Tall Wall yet. Um, but yeah, do like it. Do like it. I, I think I prefer version one to version two at the moment. Andy might hate me for that, but I'm oh, you're allowed. You're allowed. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's interesting. What about the ball? Oh, can I just say something about Big Tall Wall? Yeah, okay. yeah. I think this is another one like when it's for the prosecution, where you can hear the kind of uh, um, the first one sounds like um, you kind of like. 60s hippie pop kind of around would have fit on around the world in a day with a couple of more bells and whistles uh, or kind of ethnic instruments but then you can see the kind of but it's retro looking sonically and then big to all the new one which was con- apparently considered for graffiti bridge now i can imagine knowing what he did with uh, bold generation to new power generation and the kind of mix that he gave that you can imagine Big Tall Wall, the second version, what that would have been like on Graffiti Bridge or Batman or something like that. And that would have been, I think that would have been killer, like finishing it off like that. And you can, you, you can between the two, you can feel the tension. It's another one of the kind of, I've been learning about past music and stuff like that so much that I've kind of lost prints or, or, or I'm beginning to lose prints and I'm going to, I, and everything's a bit retro Therefore, I need to strip it all back, get my drum machine, and just sing the song. Yeah, I, can I just come in on that? I think the second version of Big Tall Wall is way more interesting sonically. It's way it, it's Prince laying down a beat and playing with it and going, where could I go? Like as you, as it goes on, the drum beat gets more and more abstract as well until it's just kind of just like a tuned like electronic. I can't remember the rhythm, but it's like it becomes really abstract tuned electronica and it gets really quite radical yeah and so that's the one that like that's the one that interests my mind but you know what the first one has this and it's like that is a rubbish little riff and i love it <laughs> and it's like fuck that's good so like you could just remind me kidnap the Sandy Claus I am having me it's such perfect rubbish little riff it's, it's so throwaway but it's, <laughs> you know what but you know what like it never falters it always insists on itself like I'm the proudest beast in the jungle and I'm like that is absolutely I'm sorry but I'm taking away forget the impressive mind food of big tool number two. I just want to eat these crisps all day. Da, 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 da. I love it. Well, what's the thing of big t- the lyrics don't match the first one at all. Like it don't like it didn't make sense until the I second know. version. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna kill and chop you up. La, da, 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 da. I'm gonna murder your family. La, da, 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 da. Sounds like Hansel and Gretel. <laughs> it's, I, I love it. It's 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 rubbish brilliant that first one. Yeah. Do you know what, going back to kind of a point Chopin made earlier about um, potentially that track going on to Graffiti Bridge, 
Um, there's two tracks on this release that I think would have been amazing. And I, I think I may have already mentioned this, but seeing Third Eye Girl reboot them, and that's uh, Witness to the Prosecution. And I think Big Tall Walls, but with their acoustic sets that they did, the Third Eye Girl stuff, mm. I can just see it working incredibly. And that was kind of my first thoughts when I heard those two tracks on this release. Yeah, I think Rebirth of the Flesh would have been good with, with Third Eye Girl. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, no. I think... Do, 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 do. Yeah, you're, you're hurting us, man. You're hurting no, no, us. No. You're hurting us, Rhonda. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're oh, we've got the purest in the house. <laughs> Sorry. I, uh, oh, well, don't touch my precious I songs. Have, <laughs> I have a little play it, so you're like... Mm. You're not going to pull that one on us. Um, oh. I, I, um, did you want to talk about the ball here? Because I love the ball. I love the ball, and I, I love how love sexy it is. It's great. <laughs> I love sexy. It's just I know, but with new new lyrics. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, yeah, it, it's so much more though, isn't it? It's so odd. It's yeah. Like, it, this is the ball has always it, the ball has long been one of my favourite outtakes, and to me, it sounds like a psychedelic pinball machine in space. Mm. It just it just bounces off itself constantly and things ping and pop and it, it, it's one of it's just an amazing bit of sonic imagination. So what do you think, Paddy? That was an interesting expression. I, yeah, it, <clears throat> contextually, I mean you've got um oh god, I can't believe I've forgotten the name of it. So you've got the song that morphed into new power generation. Old generation. Thank you. But I, with the ball, and I know the ball is backing onto an absolute bona fide fucking amazing individual, innovative classic. And, and to, to no detriment to it, but it's, it, I think it's hard, even harder to frame it for me uh, for those How reasons. Oh, um, so go on, Andy. Sorry, what, what on this set? It's next to a, what's it next to? No, I mean, it backs on to I Know. I was was contextualising that. Uh, And and I Know, for me, and Love Sexy in general, is quite an overpowering thing. Um, So, yeah, I I do like the track. I've always liked the track. Um, And it's... (laughs) When you hear hear the bits of I Know, it's so... It's so standout sometimes. It sort of makes it a, a slightly jarring experience. It's a distraction. A little bit. But whereas um, uh, New Power Generation, less so, because well, I just don't think that's it's a good track, but it's not. It isn't I Know. But so, sorry, you're, sorry, you're saying that uh, you, you love I Know, yeah? And is that what you're saying? You love I Know? Uh, slightly, yes. Oh, okay. Well, I'm, I couldn't agree more with you. I, I love them both, and they, they don't bang into each other. I find it fascinating that one is like, like I know is an in, like I know is an incredible piece of sonic invention as well, and then and then it's just like, oh, by the way, if you want to put it through the underwater space um, pinball machine on another planet thing, then then it sounds like the ball, and they're, they're like really different filters. But then I want to add a third one into the mix, right? Because we've also got um, it bees like that sometimes on here, which is another yeah. part of the I know jigsaw. 
Yeah, yeah. That that's where it's like if you add if you say, hey, hey, the ball. You're a really crazy guy on the street, right? You're, in, you're maybe on Venice Beach, you're roller skating, that guy in Venice Beach who roller skates with a turban and a guitar and he's off his nut and calm down the ball. Here, just drink a little bit of, uh, it bees like that sometimes. Calm yourself down. Then maybe you get, I know. See what happens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Those two have a Are baby. we now interbreeding Print songs. Well, Prince interpret them, really. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, it bees like that sometimes is definitely also I know. Yeah. And it's brilliant. But it's but like what it what it what it has that the bull doesn't have is that kind of gentle or kind of generous preaching. The ball is just off its nut. We know that. It's great. Like, right. come to the ball, you're you're a crazy man. But like it bees like that sometimes is like about how to live your life. Those of you on the way up. Those of you on the way down, that's much more like the message and the kind of slightly quieter kind of invitation to come and join join in a, a new revolution than the ball is. You might have warmed me to the ball, actually, because um, not not because I thought it was bad or anything else. Again, it's the ball, the kind of the lack of intelligibility. He'd done the low voice thing, I think. A little clearer on other tracks and it what it was is i think it's the same thing that paddy was uh, going on about i know is a complete statement it's an opening track it's a complete statement and and the ball is just a nice track um i just well i i think well, I, not, I, I, that, not yeah. in a not in a boo you know, no, like, no, no, know no. oh it's just a track but it's like it's it's a thing unto it you know it's it's, it's, a, it's a nice tra- you know it's a nice track uh but I'll, it, give it, I'll give it that it stands on its own right i'm not implying that it yeah. sort of sounds like an experiment where he took the best bits and did something else it's definitely uh, yeah. i love the idea of the, the pinball thing and the random pops very yeah. very much so um but but yeah, the the, the sorry, vastness sorry, sorry. and the sheer gravitas of I know on its own and in the context of the album is is so absolute for me personally that it, it just makes the ball slightly jarring. Well, no, that, that's cool. I'm, I'm I'm so cool with all of these. There is no loser here. You like oh, yeah. I've got I've got I've got them all, and I like them all in their different ways. But I am um, uh, like definitely like. It bees like that sometimes is a really, really. Sed- it's the sedation that the ball needs, and then you get. I know for me, but um, but um, I find them. Sorry, I find them. I think because of the, I know being such a dynamic and bright and clear, not lyrically, but like sonic statement. It's punchy. It's bright. It's like yeah. I found the ball a bit stodgy as a mix. I would just call it heavy psychedelia print style, and I love that. It wasn't spacey enough for me to feel the psychedelia of it. I just that's, that's it why I put the underwater bit in there when I do, always think oh, about it. it it's, it's more like it's more like something like Parliament Funkadelic doing Motor Booty Affair. And that's where you're selling me more on the ball than I previously had done. Um, I still stand where I stand on. Uh, I, w- I wish everyone could see the visuals. Some of us are like, I'm doing a triumphant pitch. pitch uh, fist punch and paddy's going why you little <laughs> no no it's um, no it's it's no i know right <laughs> like i'm with paddy like i know it's the statement it's the I, he made the right decision that was the i love them all i am um, I, I want to now that we've got onto this it's amazing to me how often 
the I, I've said this to you, Chopin, before down the pub in normal times. Yeah. Um, how often he uses essentially the melody of I know in so many different songs. Mm. It. It's basically the melody of it's going to be a beautiful night. It's just there was swung. another one that he that he did that as well, wasn't there? It, it just it, well, it's just swung. I know there is a heaven. No, there is a hell. We are beautiful. Um, yeah. No time for da da da. No, we don't want to fight. Everybody, if you swing that, you get. I know. Everybody, get up. Ding ding. It's going to be a beautiful night. I know it's so close, right? And then here's one that will blow you away, which I've mentioned to you, Show. It's Return of the Bump Squad as well. That's I know again. Can you give me the the verses of Return of the Bump Squad, Shokes? Um, the return. Another pound signing. You're coming late. No one's in the backyard, but I got to wait. Oh, yeah. Got it's to the get same damn thing. It's for me it's a key template that he's you're right and it and like uh, one of my favorite things about prince is that he can reuse stuff in songs that sound poles apart but like he he has some he has some definite favorite things he goes back on and like and the guitar riff from raven to the joy fantastic that just gets used over and over again to actually build songs like you know the way he builds 1999 and manic monday essentially from the same melody but they're poles apart yeah. it's, a, it's not a diss but like bump squad beautiful night i know the ball um this uh remember what it's called it bees like that sometimes and there's there's others where i know pops up to me to my way of hearing it can I put forward another outtake that we haven't mentioned yet that has been killing me that I love? Yeah. It's an emotional pump. Great song. Great song. The bass um, work. Oh, the, the, it's hard to know where the bass starts and ends on that song. There yeah. seems to be about nine basses at some point. Brilliant. thing for me with that is how the... Was that the one that he was recording for Bonnie Riot? No. It was the one he wanted to give Joni Mitchell, which is ridiculous. Joni Mitchell one, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, how the hell? I, I did, I'd never see that going anywhere near Joni Mitchell. Well, Joni Mitchell felt the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's kind of lovely. It's kind of absolutely lovely that Prince couldn't see it. <laughs> it's adorable. It's a, I, I don't know if it was a wind-up or what. I, I, it's another great one for me where he seems to be to me, it's just Prince playing with a melody and choosing, choosing the hardest note at any given time to sing, and I really yeah. like it. It's like, it's like, yeah, you thought I was going to zig, I'm going to zag. And well, that, therein lies another dynamic to this box set, stuff that he didn't even consider for himself, like Jealous, jealous Girl, I Need a Man. Yeah, and, you know, this is... Um, some some of the songs on here, so in the wrong mood, I just... This is Prince in general. When I'm listening to anything other than his super tip-top stuff, I'm like, yeah, that sounds like nothing. And then suddenly I hear it again and I'm in the mood and it all just sounds great. And the Bonnie Raitt songs on here either sound kind of like, yeah, yeah, or I just fall for them hook, line and sinker and just really dig them. And like I, I can change on that flip on a dime, but like the two, the two that never really change are um, "I Need a Man," which is just nice and classy, and there's something I like about "Being Your Fool." I really like, but the two in the middle, "Promise to Be True" and "Jealous Girl," they just sound like so much dull trash to me. And then suddenly they don't, and I love them again. 
so weird. It's so odd. That melody on the I Need a Man, the money's all you got, I don't want it. I'm just like, that would have been like, I would love to have heard that on a radio. I'm sure that, that would have, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been a Prince fan when it came out, but I, I'm sure that melody would have hooked me. That, they're definitely much more conventional, those four songs. They're kind of Prince playing it straight and doing genre Motown y stuff. Um, and, you know, it's like, they, it, I, I'm glad they're there, and then sometimes I'm not, and I go back and forth on them. What emotional pump is like really weird is like of all I, I get the idea of giving commercial songs to other people, um, but Joni Mitchell, oh, yeah, <laughs> like giving an emotional pump to Joni Mitchell. I, I, I'm with you on that one. It's just I of all this, I would have given her Power Fantastic or something yeah, like that, yeah. you know, or a Place in Heaven. Uh, I could imagine her doing something interesting with both those songs, but. Emotional pump. Fantastic's a good call, but like it almost seems like an arrogant wind-up to try and to say to Joni Mitchell. You know, Emotional Pump is a great Prince song, but a horrible Joni Mitchell song. Horrible, just like completely not what she was about. It's so odd. Why would you do that? I don't know. Can I play with you? Is that the best Miles Davis song? I mean, I think Can I Play With You is Prince trying to find something with Miles. But mm. Emotional Pump just seems almost like a kind of snub, to, if you consider it as a Joni song. He must have known that she wasn't going to bite. Maybe that's it. I mean, maybe it was less like a snub and more like intimidation. Like, he, he just wanted to make sure he didn't get any further just in case he, he got invested in it. I don't know. I mean, in its own right, I love it because it's... It's all over. It's Prince all over, just doing it, doing the thing. <laughs> it's a damn. Can I, can I chuck in another one? Absolutely. Forever in my life, early vocal version. Sure. Sure. There's nothing. How did we feel about it? There's nothing you can do to that song <laughs> to ruin it. It's just a good song. You can even change the key. Obviously, you not key, but you can even change the chords and. Yeah, that's our other is just a good song. <laughs> well, again, he did the right thing. He uh, the abstracted version where it's just an electronic heart, <clears throat> electronic heartbeat up against gospel is incredible. This is a really this shows the strength of the song. The, the way that he throws those extra colours of the chords, he, the cording in is lovely. But it's he made the right choice. It's more interesting to me after the guitar. Where, where the guitar coda comes in in the album version and the song fades out. What's more interesting here is the extended run where he just tries out different little templates of bits and pieces of business that ended up going into a lot of the extended live shows. Yeah. You know, like, oh, ever in my life. He tries out little, yeah. you know, little flourishes and it's just a template for him. Yeah. It's interesting. And I love it. I think... Go on, Sorry. Sorry, No, go on, Leah, go on. I think for me, the bit that excited me the most was hearing the actual backing vocals in time. Oh. I know that sounds like a really weird thing, but for me, that was what made the album version. It it was the cherry on top. It's what made the entire track for me. Yeah. So to hear that, and again, like Paddy keeps bringing up the um, official podcast, 
when you hear the story about um, that being an accident and not being planned, it kind of adds to it. And they, they keep mentioning that accidents like that would always end up serving Prince's purpose. His aim, they'd use those things to achieve what he wanted with the song. And I think it's just incredible when you hear, almost because it sounds quite twee, I want to say, the, the earlier version, it comes across mm-hmm. quite tick twee and quite lighthearted. But when you hear it, how it ended up with just the change of vocals alone, it just gives it this real credibility almost instantly. And it just makes it so so much of an abstract piece. Yeah, I think this version sounds like those For You demos, like Nadira and stuff like that. You know, there's kind of, they've got some really nice kind of like acoustic-y kind of simple groove. I mean, if the original version was on For You, it would not sit sit out of place to me. You know, it's very acoustic-y, kind of piano-y, conventional. Hadn't found like the vibe yet, but it's interesting. I think you're right, like hearing the backing vocals as they were intent as they were originally intended before the studio accident it's like wanting to hear when doves cry cry with the bass it's like it's not going to make it a better song it clearly is not but i want to hear it and it's like hearing 1999 with the with the three-part harmony all the way through it's like i i and and the percussion and the latin percussion piece it's not that I think that it's going to sound any better. I just want to hear it. I just want to hear. What, yeah. What would that, what would we have had if fate hadn't intervened? Exactly, and also it's part of it is his decision making. Is like because that tells me something about his decision making. Well, even yeah. I mean, obviously the out of time backing vocals are an accident that he uses, but but you know he there's also so many interesting decisions he's made before you get to that point where for example in this early vocal vocal he's sort of going la uh, well how does that la da 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 well i can't remember how he sings by the time he's got to his actual vocal he's already kind of abstractified that to a much more like la da 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 which doesn't it's just i don't know the it's not punching in the same place. He, sorry, it's not punching in the same not, place. No, what he's trying, what he's he's putting in something a little bit cooler oh, and unex- more unexpected. He's any any other gospel singer quotation unquote would be going La-da! and he he just puts it right down to like he can't even he's already making weird decisions long before great decisions yeah long before that accidental um backing vocal thing happens so he's already making the right uh choices to make magic happen to i mean to paraphrase he's taking it from a vertical melody to a horizontal melody like in in a sense and and he is he's 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 making he's he's going that's uh, that's expected this is unexpected that's that you know. I that's where another color would use a bright color there. I'm gonna dull it there. Okay, guys. Um, thank you for listening. It's. I don't think we've got through all of them. Uh, I think it was uh, a bit ambitious to think that we could not even touched on the DVD, um, uh, the live concert, 
the remaster and box oh, and the presentation. The box and the presentation of the book. Oh, what. We'll we'll do another six hours of talking at some point. But thank you so much. Thank you, Paddy. Thank you, Leah. Thank you, Andy, for joining us today. And yeah, we'll be back with more. Shaipan, and thanks to anybody who who is listening to this. There's there's a lot to talk about. <laughs> we appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs>